Hello everybody and welcome to a new series in the interview with a data scientist. My name is Richard Carter and I'm a data scientist myself working for the Data Lab in Scotland. Today I'm very pleased to be joined by a colleague of mine, Matt Higgs, and we're going to discuss some of the interesting issues around data science, how Matt got started, what he does in his daily work and some of the things that he sees as being of interest uh, in the future. So I'd like to start off by introducing and welcoming Matt. Thank you, Richard. No problem. So maybe if you could just start at the start, obviously you're a data scientist now working at the Data Lab, but um, how did you get to be that and uh, what was your background both in terms of academic and anywhere else you might have worked? Um, so the majority of my time uh, was actually spent in academia. Um, so going back to my undergrad and my master's, uh, they were in mathematics. Um, and then I did a PhD in computational statistics and machine learning, which was very mathsy as well. Um, but that was a point where I <laughs> wanted to become more applied um, in everything I did. Um, so um, during my PhD, um, I did some consultancy work. Um, and then after my PhD, I um, started on a postdoc that was working with researchers building mobile applications um, and I, was, I wasn't called a data scientist then but I essentially was a data scientist um, helping them understand um, what data they might collect, what they could do with it and these types of things. Um, I then also worked um, in a startup um, so that actually came as a from from doing some consultancy work as well, and they brought me on um, as a full time employee, um, and that was also understanding uh, helping them understand mobile data and some of the other data that they had and how it could maybe be productized and monetized, um, and then a few other things. Um, uh, but more recently, started working at the Data Lab. Oh, and great! Here I am now. So you mentioned the consultancy. I just wondered, uh, was the consultancy related to the work you were doing through your PhD, or was this stuff that so, um, was extraneous? I think I think my consultancy work has always been more on the side than actually tied to, don't tied directly to anything I was doing. Um, I think that you know once you have your background in maths and a bit of data science. Um, people people assume that you can apply that to pretty much anything. Um, so, like I said, my my PhD was very you know quite quite mathematical. Um, but the consultancy work I was doing, um, so originally it was just um, giving some advice um, to. So the first thing I did was for Ask.com, working with their operations manager, and he really he was just trying to get his head around things like logistic regression and how they worked. Um, and he also had um, some other problems and just trying to get a better understanding of the mathematical models so that he knew how to interpret the results and these types of things. Um, and then um, later consultancy work related to machine learning, a specific machine learning problem that again wasn't, wasn't related to um, the core work I was doing um, and similar uh, for future projects as well, um, so yeah. So I, I, I think I think the consultancy work has always been more of a side thing. Just, I mean, for me, I've enjoyed it because it's it helps you get a broader understanding of the applications of these tools. And then I think, um, especially being in academia, you're actually more focused on the methods rather than their application, maybe. 
So was there anything in you that made that made you want to leave academia? Would you have considered staying in academia or were you always more interested in, in, in doing more commercial work? Um, yeah, so I, I do feel that my journey over the last <laughs> maybe even 10 years, let's say, has been going from um, uh, more a more academic perspective to one that is more applied um, but I don't I don't know if that's maybe just because of the topics that I chose within academia like I said started off very mathsy so you, you don't necessarily see some real world impact of your work um, and then since then been trying to become more and more applied and so it feels in some way it feels like a natural transition to move to um, outside of academia and more to industry and the type of work we do in the data lab um but then it was also um i made the d decision from the consultancy work i did to join the startup that i worked in for a while and after doing that i just i did go back to academia for a little bit but i really quite definitely made the decision that i didn't want to be in academia um, and that was just the way the way that things moved outside of academia it just felt faster and felt like you were closer to real people and things they cared about. So I'm quite interested to chat to you about the startups, but just before we do, in just wrapping up, because you've obviously got quite a classical background, academic background. Um, clearly, we meet a lot of data scientists who've who got into data science from a variety of different backgrounds, mm. but you with computational statistics, you're, you're kind of more classical. What advice would you have for anybody who's maybe studying a, an MSc or a PhD if they're actually looking to break into data science? I, I'd say just, just solve lots of problems. Uh, try and identify real problems that people care about and just have a go at solving them. Um, so, yes, um, the, the PhD in computational statistics and machine learning gave me an, a good bottom-up understanding of how a lot of these algorithms are derived. Um, you know, you get understandings of things like gradient descent and how you can frame problems as Bayesian inference. But then that doesn't necessarily give you much help when you're actually applying them and really trying to understand why this problem's important and hacky things that can get you a quick solution um, and then kind of building that out into something that can be taken forward by a company. You know, the deep technical understanding won't necessarily make you better and faster at solving problems in an industry setting. So I'd say, so any advice, you know, I'd just say just start solving problems and trying to build up a little almost portfolio of challenges that you've tried um, and evidence that you how well you performed when you attempted them. So do you th do you think therefore um, to that end it's better that you actually take problems and solve them rather than worrying about necessarily learning special languages or packages without an end goal in sight? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'd say that you could take that to the extreme and say you don't never never learn something just for the fact of learning it always learn it to solve a particular problem um, so you've got a problem in mind and you could solve that problem in many ways and you know you might pick tooling that you you do find appealing um, but it should always be you know funneling back to that that goal because I think I think it just makes the learning process so much more efficient as well and you don't drift off onto tangents um, 
and I know it's very easy, especially coming from a technical background, to be attracted to drift off into tangents. And I've spent, I, don't know, I can't really put a figure on it, but I've probably spent 70% of my life <laughs> drifting off into tangents. And it's only recently that I've actually become more efficient um, at doing work. Great. So you mentioned then in your in your um, introduction there that you've obviously done some work as uh, as an independent consultant and but you've joined a startup. Mm. I just wonder in the experience you've had which one of those excited you more or is there any obvious differences between working <coughs> as a consultant in a firm versus being a data scientist within a startup? Uh, so the the earlier consultancy work I'd say, I'd say with consultancy work, sometimes people come to you and they don't necessarily have a clearly defined problem and then it's a matter of helping them understand what might be possible and talking about what their needs are, maybe framing um, a data science problem that someone could solve. Um, sometimes people come to you with a specific problem and you just have to architect the solution, attempt to solve it. Um, I'd say that in a startup, it's different in terms of well, one, you're, you're with a team and that team has a diverse range of skills and you're all trying to coordinate yourself to um, put, put kind of processes in place to make product development fast and trying to understand what users want and these types of things. So I'd say in the startup world, and it's almost cliche to say, but you have to be more diverse in your skill set and drift from kind of being a data scientist to doing other things. Um, I'm curious also to know though whether what what these differences are, they explore the differences. Maybe also I'm thinking that if you're a consultant, maybe you need to have also more of the soft skills, the business skills, if you're also marketing yourself as an external consultant to be able to go into projects and handle those kind of meetings as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess when, when you're a consultant, you would potentially work with a diverse range of companies, and some of those companies might be startups. So having experience working in a startup is beneficial when you're consulting startups. But I do believe that um, a different approach is needed when working with, for example, public organisations or third sector organisations or established old organisations. So I'd probably say that uh, being a consultant, you need to be even, even more flexible in how you consult, um, but in a startup, you need to be maybe more flexible in what you're prepared to do. I see. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Okay, so if you were to uh, be given a project either as a consultant or maybe you're there you know, working within an organisation, a startup or whatever, mm. do you have any particular way that you start off? I mean, how do you approach a problem or how do you try to understand a project that you might have been given? So communication's key. Um, even if you receive a clearly defined scope, you still should communicate with whoever wrote the scope and all the stakeholders involved as much as possible to make sure that the that all the stakeholders actually care about the problem that's been mapped out. Um, and I, I'm sometimes a bit um, excessive with this, but just I before I have the confidence to invest the time in a project, I really like to make sure that the people, the stakeholders involved really care about it and that we're solving the right problem. 
Um, and I think that if you invest that time um, before the project starts, you can mitigate a lot of problems that happen down the line. Because people will just occasionally map out a data science problem and say, yeah, yeah, this is what we want solved. Someone will go away and invest, you know, could be months in it, come back. And they'll be like, uh, yeah, no, we, we don't really see the value in the solution. And that's because they didn't really need they didn't really have the need there and mapped it out properly regarding the problem. So just, just make sure that people actually care about the problem that you're trying to solve. I'd say that's the key bit. And, yeah. and have you had, using that approach, any instances where you've been in discussions around a data science problem and solution where actually you yourself have just taken a view that actually I don't think this is going to be worth pursuing because I don't think that this is going to be taken on going forward or that we're, we're solving a problem that people really do care about? Have you ever had that kind uh, of situation? Yeah, yeah. I think throughout the length of discussions with maybe different clients or different team members, um, there, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, non-relevant problems that get iterated through. Um, and I, I'd say in that situation, my approach is to... Um, hope that people aren't too invested in particular problems, particular solutions, and you can talk about um, why particular problems might not be that relevant and quickly get them to s aside. It's not really fail fast, I don't, but it's kind of in that thinking um, and just take the discussion forward and hopefully eventually converge to something um, that is worth building a whole project around. Um, and if you can't get to that, um, and in situations I haven't got to that, the the relationship normally fizzles out, mm -hmm. and that's that's just kind of how it comes to an end. Yeah. Okay. So you you said also that you've uh, been involved in in developing products. I just wonder where a data scientist, when you've done this, fits in with a with a product development team, and how much software engineering does the data scientist need <coughs> to know in order to have that relationship with with the software developers? Yeah. Uh, so some understanding of software development is useful, um, but I'd say that if the data scientist is doing too much software development, then they're not actually fulfilling their role properly. Um, so things I've done in the past, I've been teamed up with people who were specifically there to do the software development um, component. Um, and those types of collaborations are... You know they're valuable to you because you get to learn a lot, but they're also valuable to the company and the product that you're creating because you 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 can progress almost faster than the sum of your parts in terms of you know you bounce ideas off each other and you're you're you you get excited about doing your bit and working together um, and uh, and it normally leads to you know a, a good result if things work out properly. Yeah. And the relationships with the business and the prob the problem owners, um, any any tales of uh, that you'd like to share with us there? If, uh... Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, if you work with a lot of tech people, it's very easy to get pulled into the trap of being tech driven. Um, and so what I mean by that is, oh, we've, we've got this awesome idea, or we've built this cool technology, now can we find anyone to buy it or pay for it or use it even just to trial it? Um, and try and get 
as much away from that as you can. I know some really good innovations do come from the technology, but if you are working in a business setting, it's so important to be customer-driven and user-driven and these types of things. And just working with people who are on the front end, the kind of business development people, product development people, and speaking to them and understanding what the needs are, uh, the user or customer needs, what kind of requirements those needs lead to of the system, and then what kind of technical requirements can support those user requirements and trying to see how a data science, some of those requirements can be framed as a data science problem and how they fit in and how they'll actually impact the product rather than just saying, hey, I've got some awesome neural network, how can we use it? So what, what, what you're saying is that your thinking is very much aligned to the business's thinking. It's just that you've got the technical skill set to implement some of the things that maybe they don't have yeah, as business yeah. people themselves. And, and I just, just having an awareness of uh, the data science tools and technologies that are available um, and knowing how they could be plugged in as solutions to particular problems. So, you know, I... I Ideally, you may not even have to implement these things yourself, but just knowing that the potential solutions are out there um, and how they can help with particular problems. Yeah. So, if you were, if you put yourself on the other side of the fence, if you were a company who was hearing a lot about data science but hasn't got any data scientists within their organisation, but you're thinking of maybe hiring somebody full-time employee or or looking to bring in a contractor, is there any advice you could give to companies? in terms of taking the first step on data science journey and hiring somebody? Well, I, I mean, the first step is really maybe a culture transformation. Um, so if you're a company um, and you are quite data-driven, so when I, what I'm talking about there is really just understanding what metrics are important to you and what metrics are important to your products and services and then understanding the ways you currently try and move those metrics and whether those processes can be more data-driven. So can you bring in some kind of experimentation to try and move the metrics in the right direction? And maybe you'll have a data scientist who comes in who helps you properly plan those experiments. Um, and then, okay, now you're making decisions and you're knowing whether those decisions are effective. Can those decisions be made more data-driven? What kind of data and resources do you have that might help to drive those decisions? And then once you've got all that data together and you're being more data-informed and making better data decisions, then maybe you can start bringing in people who start building cool machine learning technologies to actually process that data automatically and make decisions automatically. So there's, there's a journey there. And first off, you know don't don't just bring in a data scientist um, without a clearly defined project bring in someone who can help you um, make sure that you've got the right culture in place and map out a roadmap for making you more data mature yeah I suppose because we obviously see a lot of businesses here at the data lab uh, both startups and established firms I suppose that's why it's possibly easier for startups to to go on along this route because they're starting from more of a blank canvas and they can start these things from <coughs> from uh, square one as it were rather than maybe established firms also have legacy systems in place and an established culture which is maybe harder to change yeah yeah definitely i think i think the existing infrastructure 
make can make can be a hurdle to moving in a particular uh, direction and going through digital data transformations. And I think one other thing that's related to that is a lot of startups now grow completely within the digital domain. You know, their online services or their apps. And in that situation, everything their customers and users are doing can be logged and instrumented and, and that can be learned from. Whereas if you have a more traditional company that maybe works more in the physical world, then um, it's harder to be more data-driven because you don't even have the instruments in place to understand what's going on with your supply chains and your operations and what your customers are doing. So that, that transformation can be more difficult. But maybe that will change in the future with... You know, the um, ubiquitous deployment of Internet of Things and everything becoming instrumented and everything becoming digital, um, which is a future I'm quite excited about. Well, I, I'm kind of quite interested in the future too. So I just wonder, I mean, what are the new developments in machine learning AI that excite you personally? So I like to keep up to date on uh, the latest stuff in artificial intelligence and there, there's definitely some key trends. So um, if you're learning machine learning um, at the moment, you're very much accustomed to this offline training um, and then evaluating how that model works. But more and more, um, there's going to be applications of artificial intelligence which re require this kind of continual learning. So, you know, taking data and immediately updating um, uh, decisions and um, models of the world and having them learning online. Um, another big area will be obviously to do with security um, and data privacy um, and, you know, things like the general data protection regulation are going to force companies to be more open about how they're using um, customers' data and that is going to affect how they can use it and tools will come that enable um, machine learning and normal data analysis and data mining to be done in more um, privacy-appropriate ways. Um, and I think also one other big trend will come from um, the hardware side. So there's been there's been, you know, huge amount of progress in um, hardware recently, GPUs and everybody using GPUs and cloud on the cloud. Um, but we are reaching the limit of Moore's Law. Um, and I think there'll be a big push for more specialised hardware um, and people with skills who can adapt hardware to specific machine learning data science problems to get those extra efficiency gains that people need. So maybe people who are thinking uh, of taking MSCs or PhDs today, maybe these are the kind of areas that they might be looking to, with a view to what's yeah. going to happen in the yeah, future. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, there, there's we're currently riding the a big AI wave. I mean, there's been a couple in the past, and I wouldn't be surprised if it dips, and then there's another in the future. Um, and I think that. Um, if you're aware of what's happening underneath the wave and the technology that's evolving, you can maybe get yourself in a good position for an anticipating whatever hype comes next. So what about you yourself? I mean, do you have any set goals for the next few years? Is there anything that particularly you'd like to move towards or um, any challenges you'd like to tackle? So I, I'm very much interested in... Um, 
what are the best ways to learn data science, how people should be taught data science, and but also what are the skills that are required for the coming future. So there's a lot of things now that are automated machine learning platforms, um, and I'm very much interested in how that will affect data scientists. So, you know, you had a similar thing with programmers. Um, in the old days, programmers would be there using assembly, um, and more high-level programming languages came out. Um, and I'm sure there are people who probably said, yeah, but if you can't use assembly, you don't properly understand it. And that might be the case in the future, you know, this need to understand the maths underlying in the inference algorithms and the deep learning and all of this, there's a chance it might become obsolete. And there's a chance that a better understanding of the problem and the um, the understanding of the tools and the high-level understanding of the tools and how they can be applied at that time um, would be beneficial. I, I say that, but always going a bit deeper does give you a more solid understanding. And so in, if, in some situations where it's just about applying the tools, um, it's useful to just have a high-level understanding and know how to apply them. But when you hit a hurdle that requires you to open up Pandora's box, say then that's when someone who does understand how to go underneath the and open the hood and start tweaking things, that's when they will have real value. So I think I think, you know, there might even be different strands in the future of data scientists with different levels of technical ability and we, I mean we're kind of seeing that now anyway. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and I know uh, just before we wrap up I know that um, you obviously are from uh, England and you did your PhD yeah. down at uh, UCL yeah. uh, you've been up here in Scotland now how long? Five years now. Five years. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of the data science community here in Scotland? Uh, I think it's a great community. Um, I think, um, I don't know if it's due to Scotland's size, um, but there seems to be a very open and welcoming community um, and a lot of opportunities um, for building up connections and doing collaborations and opportunities for small companies to gain benefit from um, government um, incentive, uh, government um, opportunities and things like the data lab. Um, and like we were saying with small companies and startups, maybe there is the opportunity because of Scotland's size for it to prepare itself for the coming things in the future and get in a position where it can actually lead in particular areas. Um, and I think that's very exciting. Um, and, you know, I, so I used to live in London, and London can be a bit big and overwhelming. Um, and it's just, it's, it's nice to be up here and uh, kind of be it, make it so easy to build a good network of relationships. Sure. Yeah. Well, as your, as your colleague, it's nice to have you up here. Thank you. Uh, it just remains <laughs> for me to thank Matt, uh, Matt Higgs, this is, from Data Scientist from the Data Lab, for joining me today for the interview with the Data Scientist. Uh, please check out the Data Lab's website for more information about data science and particularly with a view to the Scottish data science ecosystem. That's www.thedatalab.com. And we'll be back soon with another interview with a data scientist. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. <laughs>